You are listening to an episode of Dope with Lime, a production of the Lillian E. Smith Center at Piedmont University. Each episode of Dope with Lime explores the life, work, and legacy of Lillian E. Smith. Subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud, and make sure to follow us on Twitter at LES underscore center. Welcome. My name is Matthew Touch, and I am the director of the Lillian E. Smith Center at Piedmont University. Today, I am speaking with Lillian E. Smith scholar Emily Pierce. Emily is a 2019 graduate of Piedmont University, where she majored in English with a minor in social justice. During her time at Piedmont, she was president of Sigma Tau Delta. Currently, or recently, she just graduated with her MA in English from Georgia State University, and now she works on the partnership team at Women Who Code. She has an essay entitled The Intricate Weavings of Unnumbered Threads, Personal and Societal Trauma in Lillian Smith's Killers of the Dream, forthcoming in Dr. Tanya Long Bennett's Critical Essays on the Writings of Lillian Smith, which is from the University Press of Mississippi. Thank you for joining us today, Emily, to talk about the LES Scholars Program and your work. No problem. I'm happy to be here. We're happy to have you. You were actually one of the first Lillian E. Smith scholars, so this is this is great to hear somebody from the ground who started basically the program. But let's let's kind of lead off with this question. You know, when did you first hear about Lillian Smith? So that's a question I ask all the scholars, and they typically give a usual answer. I assume the usual answer is probably the same as mine when I heard about the program. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I worked in the campus minister's office, um, and the chaplain at the time knew I was interested in social justice. She told me that they were thinking about starting this program, and I said, "Sounds great. Love to apply." Who's Lillian Smith? And what what year were you at that point? You're sophomore, or junior. I was a freshman. Are you a freshman? Yeah, so mm-hmm. with the freshmen, it's a little bit different too, but that's the that's the answer I get from not just LES scholars, but from most students is, you know, who's Lillian Smith? And of course, we're connected with her because she went to school here for a year, right? And she was from this region. Yeah. But, you know, when did you kind of start diving into Lillian Smith? When you started the program or did you start reading her before you even took the, the LES studies class? I had not started reading her very much until the class. Um my freshman year was also the year that Piedmont put on Strange Fruit in the theater. Got a director from New York to mm-hmm. come and look at the original documents and put it on for the first time in probably time. at least 50 years. So um, I was familiar with the story and with her work from that, but I didn't start reading it until uh, I got more further into the scholars program. And you mentioned that you were drawn to the program from the, from the campus chaplain. And also because you're interested in social justice, is there anything else that kind of drew you to the LES Scholars Program? And like, like I said, this was in the infancy of the program when it was just kind of getting yeah. up around. It was mainly that interest in social justice. I came into Piedmont as an education major, so most of my social injustice focuses had to do with the public education system. But I had done enough community service and things like that in high school to see that these social inequalities were in other systems as well. So I was interested in learning more and it sounded cool from what they were sort of spitballing at the time. It wasn't even fully formed yet. So So what kind of work did you do in high school that kind of led you to this too? I was active with my youth group, but our mission trips were not so much the type where you go and preach to people. It's where you go and help people. And a lot of that involved working in rural Appalachia and um, occasionally some hurricane relief in Alabama or Texas. So it was a lot of seeing folks who didn't have much, some of the same kind of people that William Smith lived with up in the mountains because when natural disasters or other things happen it's 
hard to rebuild if you already didn't have much. Right. And you mentioned one thing that stuck out to me there is you mentioned that you went to help people and not proselytize. So you didn't yeah. take part in the mission tourism kind of thing, which no. I know I've been no. on mission trips oh. where no, our youth trip to... trips never did that sort of thing. It was yeah. like, let's go to West Virginia and help these people, you know, build a garage or put on a new roof. Right. Instead so. of let's go to Central America, which that work is good too, but sure. you're, you're, go- and... you're going to people who are close to you as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. impacting the community. I think that that, that really kind of reminds me of, of Lillian Smith, too, and the fact that she's national and international, but she's also focused on Georgia and the community where she is. And I think that that's really important. And that's really a discussion I think that she would have, too, especially with her time in China and thinking about and seeing the ways that the missionaries in China, British missionaries, American missionaries treated the Chinese. Yeah, it's something that, you know, we now call voluntourism. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, it's virtue signaling too. But yeah, that's really that's really interesting. I think important to think about, as you know, and as most of our listeners know, China impacted her and led her yeah. to kind of see what was going on within America and within the South, particularly within Georgia and where she's from, which then expanded outwards. As of course, she talked about China and India and elsewhere as well. How did the LES Scholars Program, you know, affect your studies? Because you have to have the social justice minor. And when did you switch to English? Halfway through junior year, which is not when you want to do that. (laughs) Um, I was English education major, so I had enough English credits to graduate on time still. But I was, you know, trying to get all of my portfolio activities and compass points out of the way before doing student teaching my senior year and trying to get ahead of the curve. And then I was no longer planning on student teaching. But the social justice minor was a lot of fun. It put me in classes I might not have taken otherwise that, you know, I might have been interested in. But when there's a lot available and you only have so much you can schedule, uh, it's hard to go out of your way to take, you know, philosophy of Tolkien or an ethics class that is outside of the gen ed requirements. That's what I was going to ask. So like, so like what course kind of stood out to you that you took Um, with the social justice minor that you may not have taken otherwise? Anything above the gen ed and sociology. I really enjoyed the sociology courses, learning about how different systems work and sort of on the large scale, because I knew these things were problems, but seeing the statistics and how um, these issues manifest was really interesting. So there's one or two sociology classes that I believe count for towards gen ed requirements, but I think I took up to like a three or 400 level, 4,000 level class, all of these with Dr. Lovern, who was wonderful and just really enjoyed um, seeing that side of things because you learn a lot about people in English classes through reading stuff, but sort of seeing the statistics and those sort of things is a completely different angle. But what's good about those classes, too, is their overlap with English. Mm-hmm. So in Definitely. English, where you're reading maybe fiction or poetry about specific topics, you're mm-hmm. getting the cultural and the societal information and statistics, as you would say, from sociology that inform, of course, those readings. And then if you're in history, yeah. kind of the same things. So I think pointing out that all of these things overlap and inform and help, you know, the, dis- the different disciplines. They're not separate. Mm-hmm. While we keep them separate, yeah. they overlap and they interconnect. So what did you, it sounds like you took a lot away from the program, but is there one or two things that you took away that will impact you or that have impacted you? Because you graduated, of course, a few years ago. So Mm -hmm. what are the things you kind of took away that continue to impact you now with you doing your MA and then, of course, the work you're doing now with um, Women Who Code? Well, learning about Lillian Smith in itself was a huge impact. I did my 
senior capstone on Killers of the Dream, and then I did my master's thesis on Killers of the Dream, um, taking two very different angles. Um, and some of the stuff from the social justice minor came into play in my master's. Um, I paired Lillian Smith with Foucault, which is not something anybody has done. To talk about her work as basically critical theory, the South and of the region and how these systems work by pairing her with Foucault. And of course, she does it in such an approachable way, too. Um, which Foucault is not known for. Exactly. <laughs> but, I was going to let you say uh, that, not me. Yeah. <laughs> And the classes I took with that and the portfolio activities that I did put me in spots that I wouldn't have been to otherwise. Put me either at conferences or taking part in conferences where I met interesting people that then helped with networking later. None of that, you know, related to how I got my current job, but it helped with getting into grad school and sort of getting a good start with grad school since I already had conferences under my belt. And, and it helps you be able to navigate those those networks, even if it's not grad school and academia, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember, of course, you were starting and you graduated like right when I got here. So I didn't really get to know you yeah. well as a student, but you participated in the, I think the Southern Studies Conference, right? Was that what it is? Yes. And, um, yeah, my, yeah, my senior year, um, it was funny because I was um, working on my capstone and there were two big things that sort of got handed to me as to be seen as like steps along the way to finishing my capstone. And one was presenting at that conference and the other was submitting to critical essays in the writings of Lillian Smith, both of which uh, Dr. Davis just said, you're going to do this. <laughs> and um, again, those helped with applications for grad school. Exactly. But I also, you know, since I was the first scholar, I was asked to speak at an alumni brunch my sophomore year and just generally to chat about it at different Piedmont events in the early days. And of course, you were in Hal, Hal and Henry Jacobs documentary, too. But I yes, think that and I was the research intern on that as well. Yeah, I didn't know that. So mm-hmm. yeah, like a yeah. lot of things. And what and what stands out to me is that conference experience. You know, one of the things I want my students to do is be able to go to conferences as an undergrad, because especially mm-hmm. if they're English majors and whether they're in education or not, being able to go to conferences and network and meet people who you may be reading in your classes. You know, you may be reading these scholars yeah. in your classes. These are people at conferences that are from all over the nation, right? You know, sometimes from all over the yeah. world. So it's great networking opportunities and great ways to get feedback on your work and what you may need to work on, what's good about your work, all of that stuff. And you get so much information that just kind of pours into you at a conference. So being able to have that opportunity, I think is amazing. And then of course it led to, you know, you being in um, Dr. Bennett's collection on Lindley and Smith. Mm -hmm. And like Dr. Davis said, you know, you're going to do it. What's it going to hurt if you do it? The worst that can happen is you're going to get rejected. We get rejected all the time in this field. The worst they can do is say no. Yeah. And I see a lot of folks on social media, writers that talk about instead of having like an acceptance list or an acceptance goal, they have a rejection goal to try and get their stuff out as much as possible. I haven't seen the rejection goal, but I had a folder full of, you know, grad school rejection letters or actually, let me rephrase that, not the grad school rejection letters, job application rejection letters Mm -hmm. after I graduated or when I was graduating. And that thing probably could fit half a filing cabinet, you know, row. Yeah. It's just the way it is. Yeah. The first half of, well, the majority of my job search was difficult and a lot of no's. And then I got connected with a recruiter friend of my dad's and that led to this. Congratulations on that, on the position. 
So why, if you're talking to a Piedmont student, you know, mm-hmm. why should they become an LES scholar? Um, sort of like them? we've been talking about already, there's a lot of great opportunities that you can find. And one thing that interest me in the early days of the program was the interest in catering towards what you as a student are interested in. So um, a lot of my portfolio activities while I was still an education major were more education oriented because those were the issues I was concerned about. And that shifted in the back half when my major changed and my interests changed. And a lot of the time, I mean, some of the classes on the social justice minor are gen ed options anyway. They might be classes you'd be taking already. Some of these activities might be things you might be doing already. It's not a lot of extra work to add this exactly. on during your undergraduate. Yeah, we looked so. at looking over the classes that you need. You can do every class except for the LES studies class under gen ed. Mm-hmm. So you could do Does the it whole still social require justice an internship? minor. Do what? Uh, does the minor still require an internship? I don't think so. I got to look back over that. I don't okay. believe it does. That was so, one. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, it does. I think it does. But most of those okay. are in the majors. Okay. So it does require an internship. So your student teaching would have covered that, you know, if you're still in education. Yeah. But the key thing you said too there is actually it kind of tailor fits to you. And of course, mm-hmm. with me, with the LES studies courses, we read Lillian Smith, but also tailor it to the to the student who's in there or to the students who are in there. Like with this last class that I did last spring, when it's offered every spring, the, the students were interested in mass incarceration and the impact of mass incarceration on individuals. So we did Lillian Smith and connected it with mass incarceration. So we did Michelle Alexander's A New Jim Crow and some other things as well. Did you watch, was it 16th? Yeah, we watched 13th. 13th, right. We did um, the NPR podcast, Louder Than a Riot, which actually talks Mm -hmm. about the intersections of mass incarceration and hip hop. So, Mm -hmm. and then they were able to connect all of that back to what Lillian Smith was saying too, and actually bring all these things together. And that's where the sociology comes in too, because both these students, I think, were taking class. At least one of them was taking the class with Dr. Lovern mm-hmm. and the sociology comes in, right? And the other one was actually, they both wanted to go to law school. So all of these things kind of overlap within these discussions and it gives you a space to talk about them. So let's let's wrap up real quick with this last final important question. All these questions are important, but I think this one's really important too. And one that hopefully gets people interested about Lillian Smith. So what stood out to you about Smith's work? And were there any favorite books and kind of themes that stood out to you that you really liked, enjoyed, that mean mean a lot to you? The biggest thing that stood out to me, and this kind of fits with a theme as well, was the sheer amount of optimism that she mixes with her her very realistic critique of the South. Because that's not something you see a lot these days. You don't see people being, tell things the way that they are and then be optimistic about it. She was so hopeful for the region and the country and where we were headed, even given all of these problems that were generational and systemic and all of that. In terms of favorite passages, none off the top of my head come to mind. I spent three years working with Killers of the Dream, but The Journey is my favorite. It's just very difficult to work with in a literary setting. I still think the opening of Killers of the Dream is one of my favorite openings. Oh, yeah. Even the children knew that the South was in trouble. And all the bits in Killers of the Dream where she's describing the land landscape of Georgia and the South are just gorgeous poetic descriptions mixed in with harsh critique. Exactly. Um, and there's some favorite passages in the journey too. I have to admit, I still haven't read all of the journey. My wife bought me a copy for Christmas and it's one that I can't necessarily read because it's a first edition and may you know, crumble at the spine, but there's some have, really amazing passages in the journey that I always go back to specifically the one about travel. Yeah. I read my first edition, but it's hardback. So 
Yeah, mine's hardback right. too, but it's it's a little it's a little fragile. Mm. So I'm kind of like, eh, and I can't yeah, write in I, it. I'm not going to write in it. I actually have um, a friend of my grandmother's gave it to me when I graduated from Piedmont. I have a autographed copy of the second edition of Killers. Oh, nice. I saw I saw a first edition up in Clayton that was falling mm-hmm. apart, and they were like asking a lot for it. I have a first edition too, but I also have an autographed second. I did find uh-huh. I did find the second edition of Killers in Clayton at the library book sale. Mm-hmm. Not autographed. For my graduation, yeah. we'll just end on this talking about books. For my graduation <laughs> for PhD, I bought and I actually bought it, but I bought a. I was doing a lot of work on Ernest Gaines, and you got to. I got to know him, and mm-hmm. I ordered a first a first edition of the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman, and it was great. And he was able to sign it, of course, a couple of years after afterwards. But that was one of my, or that is one of my prized possessions. I need to still get all of his books in first editions. But anyway, yeah, I've got. First edition of The Journey, Killers, and Strange Fruit. Um, but total, I have like four copies of Killers, three copies of Strange Fruit. I've got Some, the essays. You sound um, like what I do. I still got to finish my Frank Yarby collection. <laughs> Anyways, thank you for joining us today. Yeah. It was very it was very enjoyable. And hopefully, you know, students will listen and they'll, they'll sign up for the program. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dope with Lime. Did you enjoy this episode? Have thoughts? Use the hashtag Dope with Lime on social media or get in touch with us at lescenter at piedmont.edu. You can learn more about living at East Smith and the center by visiting www.piedmont.edu backslash les.